What is going on and welcome to the Power of Progression podcast. I'm your host, John Marone. Thank you very much for joining us on today's episode. And please do not forget to like, subscribe, follow the podcast, write a review, and then share it out to anybody who can take the value from today's episode and put it into their life. But now it is time to help you design the life you've always wanted to live, creating the ultimate version of yourself, and jump into the episode. So let's get it popping. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Power of Progression podcast. Look, I am excited, ecstatic to give you guys the opportunity to learn more about my guest today, someone who I've been talking about for many, many years, way before I've had this podcast. Her name is Andrea Walsh. What she is, is more than just a writer. We're going to get into that, but I'm going to give you a little bit of an idea of what you guys are in for. So she's a co-founder of Courage Crafters, Inc., She escaped the corporate world and became an entrepreneur almost 20 years ago. She quit her job to launch a speaking and training company with her husband. With absolutely no idea of how to do anything, they managed to build a very successful business, wrote and published several books, including the best-selling title they're most known for, which I have right here, Go For No. Today, Andrea speaks around the country, continuing on her mission and her passion to spread the Go For No mindset to help people truly overcome Fear, failure, rejection, and that word, no. And I am pleased and excited to introduce you guys to Andrea. Andrea, what is going on? How are you this morning? I'm doing so great, John. Great to be with you. Good. I am so, so beyond excited to tell people a little bit more about you. Look, like I said, I don't know if your ears ring a lot, but I do talk about your book very often um, in my conversion courses and and many other times when people are um, having some issues with sales. Um, And it's just... I think it's more than just sales, and that's what I really want to dive into today. Uh, for those people who are not in sales, this book is also for you, and, and you know, we're definitely going to go deeper into that. But tell everybody a little bit more about who you are, your journey, and let's kind of start there. Before the publishing deal, before Go For No exploded, what about you when you grew up? What, what did that look like? Um, well, I had kind of a interesting childhood. Uh, my, we moved around a lot. My father was in the military. I, my mother, um, ended up getting married to my stepfather who actually got arrested by selling cocaine to an other undercover FBI agent. <laughs> so, you know, it, these things happen, right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was kind of, kind of wild and we were, we struggled for many years. So um, having to go through some, some of that and moved around a lot. But, um, and interestingly, I was very much into um, criminal justice. I wanted to be a crime scene investigator before there was a TV show about it. So that's what I ended up going to school for after um, I went through high school and I was a horrible student in high school. My nickname was actually Truancy. <laughs> they called <my> <laughs> Truancy because I just, I, I never wanted to go to school. Um, but I kind of turned things around in college and got a Bachelor of Science in criminal justice. In the meantime, as I was getting my degree, I was working at Lens Crafters as a salesperson. And then I found myself kind of at a crossroads because uh, they were, Lens Crafters was like, hey, you're amazing. You should be in management. We want to promote you. 
but I had just gotten this degree in criminal justice. I want to be a crime scene investigator. And over in the world of the sheriff's department, they were like, there are no jobs. Maybe if you're lucky, you can get an unpaid internship. And I was like, I have no desire to be an unpaid intern as great as being a crime scene investigator would be. Um, I want to, you know, I, I'm ready to make some money, right? I mean, here yeah. I am like a 22 year old college student. I'm ready to make some money. So Lens Crafters was like, hey, we'll promote you. So I ended up working my way up and became the youngest general manager of, um, in that company. I was 24. I was running like a, wow. a multi-million dollar location. And that's where I met my now husband, Richard. And he convinced me um, to that we should quit our jobs and that we should go out and start our own speaking and training company. And as I said, as you said in my introduction, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but I kind of thrive on chaos and uncertainty. I'm like really cool with that um, based on my childhood. So, uh, so that's what we did and literally made every mistake you could make, sometimes multiple mistakes, sometimes the same mistake over and over again. But really, um, I just have loved it. And I never thought that I would end up having a career where I talk about rejection, but that is what it's turned into, which is so bizarre. <laughs> That's an incredible story, and I did not know the upbringing either. I, I, I want to go back there for a second. So, how old were you when your stepfather got arrested? Um, I was, I think, about eleven, twelve. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you said that that you moved around a lot, right? Yeah. So we basically were homeless and had to move in with a good friend of my mom's, and kind of jumped around for a few years. Yeah. How did you? Because yeah, I think a lot of people, they take that and they become the victim. And I, I, I did it as well. You know, I did it at a, at a young age where I took my you know, family's you know, situations and I created that as a victim mentality and I made some really bad decisions. Did you go right away and say, this is not who I'm going to become? That, you know, I'm not going to be a victim to this. I'm going to be a victor. Or was there a process that you know, it took for you to say, okay, I'm going to go to college. I want to do this. I'm going to do something with my life. Because at 11 years old, going through that and then being homeless and then not even 12, 13 years later, you know, you've graduated college, you know, you, you've got a degree and you're running a multi-million dollar, you know, business. So it, it, tell me, like, what did you do mentally to prepare yourself to step away from that situation and say, this is not my future. It's just my past. You know, I guess I didn't, I never really um, bought into that victim mentality. And, and I admit, I mean, during going through high school, I did have that rebellious time where I was just like, I was just like, yeah, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to be on the dark side. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out with the kids who are not into school and, and the people that are in the social clubs and, and doing every, everything right. Um, they're losers and, you know, they're dorks and I don't, that's not who I want to be. And then I think somewhere along the line, I just, I, I kind of um, uh, realized that that's just not who I wanted to be. You know, I looked around and, and I saw that there were kids that were successful and, and people were starting to talk about college and it was, and it was kind of like, and I thought, gosh, you know, what, what, what do, who do I want to be? Right. And it was, it was kind of this crossroads and what do I want to do? And, and so, um, I, yeah, I, I, I shaped up in my senior year. I was like, okay, I'm going to actually go to school. I'm gonna actually go to class. Um, get just in the nick of time. Right. Just seriously, just in the nick of time. Yeah. Um, take geometry again for the second time so that I can graduate. And 
I, you know, I, I also, I mean, my dad, um, who was in the military, was a good kind of grounding force during this time as well, because he is very disciplined and very much into education. So I kind of had him like this shadow kind of hanging over me. And I was like, I don't want to disappoint him. And, and so we, I feel like John, I was lucky because we, some, some people don't have someone in like, they have no one in their life. Right. And, and my mom was also a grounding force, you know, she, she, um, but she was kind of dealing with her own stuff too, you know? So um, sometimes we need just to have that one person who kind of expects something of us. And I had some of those expectations for my, for my parents. So luckily I got my shit together. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're, you're right. You know, when I was, I, I got out of jail and I was living in a motel, I wanted to go back to doing what I was doing, which was the wrong things, making bad decisions and hang out the you know, wrong people. And I met my now wife. And in that moment of me trying to get rid of her, because, you know, me being selfish, I wanted to go. <laughs> I knew if I had somebody that, cared about me so much and I had somebody to look after and you know I couldn't disappoint them and so I tried to push that away like you probably did uh, but you did something I think everybody needs to listen to you asked yourself a better question you had said what do I want to be who am I and who do I want to be and I think our life is proportionate to the questions we ask ourselves just like sales right sales our, our, our income in sales is proportionate to the questions we ask our prospects and I think in life, it's the same exact thing. So you not realizing it, you ask yourself better questions and look what happened. You got some better results. It's crazy, people, how this thing works. <laughs> let's fast forward now. Okay, you, you meet your now husband. He says, you know what? Let's take a chance. You're 24 um, or so and, and you have obviously a very stable position with possible room to grow. And he is a crazy one and says, let's go ahead and go all in what what did you decide like I, I want to know what your mind was what we were going through in your mind but why you decided to go this route you know the publishing writing a book because that wasn't currently what you were into if I'm correct right right well it, it actually um one of my uh one of my dreams in addition to being a crime scene investigator you know we, I think we all have like I think if, if you thought about it you, there's like we all have different lives that we would love to lead, right? We, like there's all these different lives and you you have to eventually pick one. Um, and, but one of my dreams also, John, was I, I would love to have been a movie director, a movie producer, a writer. When one of the funny stories I tell when I, when I speak is I tell about the time that I was eight years old. And, um, and this was actually courtesy of my stepfather. He, a friend of ours gave me George Lucas's personal office number. So one day I called because I, Star Wars is by far like my favorite movie of all time. I've, I've watched it, no I mean, hundreds of times. It's, I absolutely love it. So I, but I was convinced that at eight years old, I had really cutting edge ideas that George Lucas needed, but I was gonna be like, I, I was a perfect um, producing partner for him. So I called his office and I asked, you know, if we could work together and his, his very nice uh, secretary at the time, actually said no and and put me into his fan club <laughs> instead but so my background actually was um, way when I was young was to be creative so Richard my husband is super creative he's super talented and he was the one that planned he said 
there's a, we could write and publish our own book. And I, I had, no, I had never heard of that. I thought I, I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Oh no, we could write and we can, we can have our own books printed and we can use that to kind of launch the business. So um, that was like a kind of woke something up deep, deep inside me that I had just really forgotten about, to be honest. I mean, I, I was on my bad track and then I had the, I had the law enforcement thing. And then I said, Oh my gosh, yeah, that would be amazing. Let's, let's do it. So we wrote this little book called Unlocking the Secrets of Retail Magic, which we use to get speaking clients. And one of the things in that book and one of the things that we taught in there was go for no. And go for no became the thing that our clients loved to hear about. So then a couple of years later, we wrote go for no. And um, that really kind of started launching off that business. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had no, I, I really didn't understand anything about the entrepreneurial world. I certainly didn't understand anything about writing and publishing. And, <laughs> you know, you just, you, you, sometimes you find out about these subcultures and you're like, wow, there's a whole universe of things I don't understand. Yeah. I, I always say it's like the older I get, the less I know, right? right? <laughs> but it's so cool. It's brilliant because when we're younger, we know everything you mentioned, you eight years old. First off, that's an amazing story. You called him at eight years old and said we could be partners. That, that is awesome. And then you said, man, I totally forgot, right? I totally forgot that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I always talk about of, we stop asking ourselves the question that people used to ask us all the time. People used to ask us when we were younger, what do you want to be when you grow up? And yeah. people then stop asking us that. But more importantly, we stop asking ourselves because things happen in our lives. Events happen. People say things for us not to believe what we truly want. Think about it. When you said you wanted to be a producer or, or, or whatever that might have been, the people who want to be a firefighter, people who want to be doctors, you dress like that for Halloween. You were obsessed with it. You wore that outfit to bed. You told everybody all day. You acted that way all the time as if you were a doctor. You lived it. But then things happened in your life to change it. And from what you told me, I can kind of see some of the things that changed it. And I think people need to ask themselves more often. I don't care how old you are, but what do you want to be when you grow up? That is a very important question that we, we lose due to the events that happen to our life. Um, so I, I just challenge everybody out there, ask yourself, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and she's a prime example where she got asked that by her now husband and Boom, triggered something to now a very successful, successful life. Okay, so Go For No was a part of another book, which I didn't know that first off. Right. And that you guys realize, oh my God, there's some gold there. And then now tell everybody what Go For No is about. So you went ahead, you got the concept right. in the, into one book, probably like a small chapter or something, I would assume. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and then what you, you, you decided to make this whole book because people wanted it, but tell everybody what Go For No is and, and the concept behind it. I'd love for you to kind of elaborate. Yeah, absolutely. So Go For No is fundamentally about intentionally increasing your failure rate, intentionally going out and being willing and wanting to hear no more often. And I actually started with a really simple, basic story. And we have, we have dug into the idea of how to fail more successfully, how that works, how to hear no more often, um, and what happened was, uh, the story behind that is, uh, my, my husband, Richard was working in a menswear uh, store. His sales were awful. He thought that they were going to fire him. Uh, the district manager came in one day and to kind of assess, you know, how he was, how he was doing, he was 
pretty sure they were actually going to fire him. District manager comes in, um, they have donuts, they have coffee, the store opens up, and this guy walks in, and Richard, my husband, gets to help this man, and he basically, the customer walks in and says, I want to buy an entire wardrobe of clothing. So Richard proceeds to sell this guy like $1,100 worth of clothing, he has this great sale, he's, he's now thinking, oh my gosh, this is so great, because the district manager was here to see this whole thing, so I'm, you know, I'm going to uh, probably keep my job. So anyway, the district manager walks over to him, and this guy's name is Harold, and Harold asks Richard, he said, Richard, you know, that was a great sale, and Richard's like, yeah, did you see that, man, that was great, $1,100, he bought a suit and a sport coat, and Harold says, yeah, it was great, but do you mind if I ask you a question, and Richard said, sure, what, what is it, and he goes, out of curiosity, what did that customer say no to in all of that, you know, in all of that sale, and Richard's like, what do you mean, what did that customer say no to, he bought all this stuff, he bought $1,100, and Harold said, yeah, I know. We know what the customer said yes to. What I'm asking you is what did he say no to? And Richard thought about it and he said he didn't say no to anything. And then Harold said, then how did you know he was done? And that was a question that changed, yeah. right? That was a question that changed Richard's life. And he said, and Richard realized he knew he was done because he had hit his mental spending limit. Um, and Richard said, you know, I want, Harold basically said, Richard, I watched you sell. You're not half bad. You're a pretty decent sales guy, but, um, your fear of hearing the word no is going to kill you. If you could just learn to get over that, I think you could be one of the great ones. So as Richard tells the story and he tells the story when we speak, he said, I went home two letters from greatness and oh, he said, I knew that I couldn't necessarily be successful, but I knew I had what it took to fail. <laughs> I could fail more often. I could show people more products, more services, get more people to say no to me, and in that process, increase my sales. And that's exactly what he did. A year later, he became an award-winning salesperson. He then kind of worked his way up through the corporate world um, for the next several years. Fast forward, we meet at LensCrafters, and Richard tells me that story. And I'm like, that is the greatest story ever. I, you know, I, I fell in love with that story. And I said, I said, people need to hear this. So that's when Richard said, well, let's quit our jobs and let's start sharing this story. And then we started digging into all of the psychology behind, well, why don't people like to hear no? And how do we help people really around that? And how do we deal with the anxiety and the fears? And so I've spent like the last, easily the last decade, last 15 years studying failure, rejection, coaching people through it, creating training around it and creating and looking at all the nuances all from that one little idea, that one little story. Man, it, it is, it is one of my favorite stories too. So when I heard it, I, I thought the same thing. And uh, and this is once again, whenever I, I talk about the go for no book and I was training sales guys um, and, and gals, I would always have them read this. And I would say, what do you think about that story? Like, tell me, like, do you think that, you know, you're asking enough questions to get enough no's. And so I appreciate that story. And, you know, I'm glad that you told them that people need to hear it because if you never told him that people need to hear it, this book would never be alive. And right. that's incredible. You said you've been studying the, 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 the whole nuances and, and everything behind why we don't like, you know, the word no, fear, rejection. Tell me what you found. Um, I'm super curious. I think my audience needs to hear this. That's just the biggest fear in humans, right? Rejection. It's, it's one of the biggest fears and it stops them from truly hitting their 100% capability because they're scared of something. I would love to find out some like things that you learn that you're like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. Or I can't believe that. I never thought of that. 
in, in and around the, the fear of rejection in the word no. Right, right. Well, one of the things that we have looked at is the underlying fear of all of this, which is for us, it's the fear of failure. And um, people, we've all been taught and trained when we were little kids, we failed so well, right? It was like, it was like our parents thought it was great and so fun when we fell over and we were learning to walk and, and then tying your, learning to tie your shoes and learning to ride a bike and you're learning to ride a bike and you're in front of your friends and you don't even care if you fall over and look like an idiot in front of your friends. You're like, I, you're just, I have to get this down. I'm going to do this, right? It's whatever you have this, whatever it takes mindset. And then somewhere along the line, and it's kind of that middle age, eight, 10, 12 age range, we realize that we're being watched. We realize that people are aware of our behavior and we're being judged. And then we start saying, oh, I don't want people to think this or that about me. So I don't want to fall over in front of them. I'm going to try to learn in secret. I'm going to try to, and there's this thing. And then we become adults and we have this belief uh, that we can't fail. And it doesn't matter. You start a new business. Everything's new. You have no idea what you're doing. But in your mind, you can't fail. It's like you're an adult now. And but no, it's like you were when you were a kid. You, you don't know what you're doing. You all of these skills, all of these things that are required of you are completely new. But we have we, we hold ourselves to a whole different standard. And one of the things that we really impart to people is we, we try to give them permission to fail, right? We're giving you permission. Um, we're giving you permission to fail on skills, tasks, mindset, all of it, so that when you give yourself permission to fail, that's when you try, learn, and keep going, right? Yes. Uh, this is so good, guys. I hope you're taking some notes down. I'm definitely taking some because it, it's, it's a, it is for sure one of the biggest struggles uh, why people – to live an average life. And, and I think that's the biggest thing. You're living an average life because you're scared to fail. And she is sitting here telling you some reasons why you're scared to fail. So now you have the why behind it. And what the hell can they do to overcome it? We're talking about failing more often and, and fail better. But like, what suggestions do you give my audience of saying, look, this is how you fail faster. This is how you learn from it. and this is how you make some iterations to not have it happen again. Right, right. Well, the first thing, and, and so the first thing that we, we talk about, especially related to no, so this is kind of, it is a sales philosophy, but it's a life philosophy too. And the, and the first thing is to, one, give yourself permission to fail and to go for it, be honest. And in those moments where you are holding yourself back, those are the moments where you recognize that you have the biggest opportunity, right? And um, that's good. I like right. That. And 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 one of one of the things that we see, and I we've created this course, this online course, and this coaching group around this. So I'm I'm learning at an exponential right now from people's experiences, and there's there's kind of like three groups, John, that I have found especially related to this whole idea of failure. And it's, we kind of break it down into 20%, 60% and 20%, 20% of the people here go for no. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, I get it. You're probably in this top 20%. I get it. I'm going to start hearing no more often. I'm going to fail more. If I fail more, I'm going to succeed more. I, I get the connection. And then you have 60% of the people that still need to be challenged. They need to have that permission and they need to be challenged and constantly pushed to say, hey, you know, 
just do it. And so a lot of that's what we do a lot of is just pushing people. And I always, I, I tell people in our group, I said, if I were to tell you, get on the phone and the, I want you to make a call and I want you to make this call and you better get a yes. Like you better get a yes. Now you're, you're stressed and you're freaking out and you're, you feel like you have to manipulate people and you better be aggressive and you better bat, you better do whatever you can to get this person to say yes. But with go for no, and this new mindset it is, I want you to make a call and it doesn't matter what happens. In fact, if you get a no, it's great. I mean, if you get a no, that's when you should be celebrating. And so it's, it's giving people the permission to fail in the underlying failure model, the model that people have in their head is probably the thing that I think is the thing that people have to work on the most. Because if you don't have that down, if you're just continuously afraid to fail, if you've got those perfectionistic tendencies, then it might, it works for you intellectually for just a second, and then you immediately go back to your old behavior. And then there's the final 20%, which have such great fears. And it's probably to, to such an extent that there's not a whole lot we can do to help, if that makes sense. And that, and it's probably something where you have to dig into much, much deeper issues. And, and that goes back to almost like the past, the mindset, the, the mm -hmm. last 20%. And, and if, you, if you're listening to this, even if you're in the first, you know, that 20%, it still sucks. Like, I'm going to be real. It's the, I, I feel like I am that 20%. I know the, the, the purpose of it because, as I, I always say in the show, is the only way to success is through failure. You can't bob and weave that shit. You got to go through it and got to go through it daily. But it still sucks. But you understand the method behind it. And I think that's so so brilliant the way that you put it. Do you have anything for that 20%? I'm just curious, anything that you say, this is the first step you need to do to at least get into that 60% uh, for those 20 percenters who are, are in that very bottom tier? The very bottom tier. The very bottom tier is, is, really, um, is really challenging. And they're the people that they've heard go for no, they've read it, they've done a lot of training around it, and they still, um, have a, a huge fear of taking action. Um, it really does come down to forcing people, but you know, there's only so much I can do. You know, there's only yeah. so much I can do. I can't go to people's houses and, or their offices and drag them. I would love to drag them kicking and screaming and say, no, you're just going to do this. So, um, and, and sometimes people get confused because they say, so you want me to get a no? Like you, so you want, you actually, want me to do badly. And, and I say, there's a very interesting nuance here. It's not about sabotaging yourself, right? It's not about, about doing a bad presentation or a bad job because that would be, that'd be silly, right? That would be, like, that would be silly. And I tell people, if your phone rings and somebody says, yeah, I want to buy from you, you don't hang up the phone on them, right? <laughs> so that would be sabotage. Um, but what it is, is it's a, it's a true acceptance that, that, you can fail and survive. And one of my favorite quotes from Jack Hanfield is um, that confidence is built through successfully survived risk. And so it's forcing people to take action. And I tell them, just get a no. Just do, do your worst stuttering, stammering, screwed up presentation, whatever it takes. Get that no. See that you survived it. And now we can build your confidence. And so one of the things that we do, and this helps the 20%, is 
we do go for no challenges. So it's challenge yourself to see how many no's you can get in a period of time, whether it's seven days or 21 days. It can be business no's, it can be personal no's, it can be just, um, and this is something that they can do as well. Uh, get a no from something easy. Like, you know, be at the grocery store and ask for a sample of cheese, like from the deli, right? Just something that's so just whatever, right? But it forces you to learn to ask again and to take that, that what feels like that risk. And then you see that even if they said, they say to you, no, we don't give out cheese samples, you know, okay, um, I survived, like I just survived. And then What's really important on the back end of this process, John, is to celebrate, to celebrate the chances that you took and the risks that you took, because we're all very good at celebrating yeses. We all of us, right? I mean, you get a good, you get a, you sign a good client, you make a big deal. We go out, we have dinner, we celebrate. And then, but when we fail or we get a no, it's this embarrassing, shameful, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. I lost the deal. I lost the client. And it's, it is painful in those moments, but we have to literally celebrate with actions to reinforce and change the programming instead of shaming ourselves that we're on the wrong track. So good. So look, you said some things here that you're just looking at it from a different perspective, right? I think that's what it's all about. It's just looking at things in a different perspective, giving yourself permission to fail. Everybody needs to write that down and, and, and truly live by that. I think that's huge. And then you talk about celebrating. I've always talked about celebrating the nose, but it's not celebrating the nose. It's celebrating the chance you took and the risk you took. That is, that is so much different perspective wise. Don't celebrate the nose, celebrate the chance that you took to get it. That is amazing. Yes, yes, yes. Perfect. Okay. Now for my sales guys and gals out there, we always tell them, you know, push through the no, push through the no. Through your studies, and you've been doing this for quite some time, maybe it's different per industry, but is there like a certain amount of no's to push through before you give up and move on? Okay. I, this is absolutely one of my favorite topics. I love this yes. because yeah, there is so many, there's so many nuances to this and there's, there's just the fundamental question, like how many no's does it take? Which is, it reminds me of like that old Tootsie Pop uh, commercial, like how many licks does it take to get to the center? How many no's does it take to finally get a yes? Everybody wants to know that, right? Well, irony is, is that here's kind of the fundamental strategy. The more you go for no, the more no's that you hear, the better that you get and then the fewer no's that you hear in the, in the long run, if that makes sense, because yeah. you improve, right? You learn um, what works and what doesn't work. And that's such a huge idea with go for no is that if you, um, anybody can pick up the phone and make a presentation and get a yes. You could, ha you could just be lucky, right? It's, it's like the guy who goes out and gets a hit at his first at bat. Just, hey, sometimes you just get lucky, right? Sometimes, though, the best batter in the world goes out and strikes out 20 times in a row, and you think, oh, my God, this is insane. He's failing. This is just like, it's so painful. And then he'll come up and proceed to get hit after hit after hit. That, that happens in baseball. All We see these streaks. Three out, three out of ten in your Hall of Famer. Three out of ten, you're all famous. So it happens all the time. Um, so in terms of like the actual numbers, it's hard to say. You know, it does vary per industry. I mean, one out of 20 is probably like the class. I, I have heard that from different sales trainers I've interviewed. It's kind of a classic number. But um, 
I think sometimes the more that you can qualify your leads and you can make sure that you're talking to the right person, that is huge. That will definitely um, improve your chances. But the more that you go for no, that is where you learn where your skill gaps are. Because if you're just playing the numbers game and you're working on luck and you say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to call the person that I think will say yes to me. Um, of all the people I've talked to in the last couple of weeks, there was this one person and I think I'm, they're my, they're my golden shiny yes. So you make the call and you get the yes, right? Well, what have you learned and how have you grown and what skills have you built by not talking to all the people that could have been, that could have been no's and, but allowed you to get better at your presentation and figure out where am I falling down? Where is this presentation going wrong? Where, how am I, where am I maybe not getting this person to meet with me or take the next step in my process? And so to me, go for no is really skill building both in your sales in your sales process, but also in your confidence too. Yeah. And confidence is a skill that you could build when you master your craft, you know, and you beat on it hour after hour after hour. People must realize that that confidence isn't something that, you know, you know, you're going ahead and this person has, and this person doesn't, everybody has it, but that person who you're saying has it, has a, a craft that they're mastering and, and they're building on in their, you know, if it's sales, they're role playing and they're putting themselves out there. And I think that's, that's a big piece that people that people are missing is that I just don't have the confidence. Well, you can, because it's a skill, right? Which is a phenomenal thing. Go for no has helped so many people, so many people, but I, I'd like to know people that are, are doing it. Is there a process they have to track their nose? Because, you know, just having a no, 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 and having no tracking behind it, it's, it's hard to really see if it's working, how many no's, as we talked about before it takes. How, how do your clients track or people that read the book track no's? Absolutely. You've got it so important. And, um, and this kind of goes back to your question, like, well, you know, how long does it take? And, and, and when should you quit, right? When, when should you give up? That's kind of another, that's another important conversation because persistence with go for no is so huge. You have, you no doesn't mean this, one of the things that we say all the time, no doesn't mean never, no means not yet. Um, and a really good no is okay though. <laughs> good no is better than a bad yes also. Um, and so you do need to track your no's because you, you want to see if, how you can take those no's to a yes. And that requires persistence and that requires follow-up and it requires tracking. So um, kind of a fun, one, one of the people in our go for no group um, is a, I think he's involved in landscaping or, or something like that. And he will stand out in front of the Home Depot and he'll talk to like 200 people a day. <laughs> and he gets, he gets no after no after no. Um, but now that he's going for no, and he's kind of counting and tracking his nose, his no, his nose have exploded, but his yeses have exploded too. He's just gotten more yeses because he's telling his story to more people. Right. Yes. Um, and so that, I think tracking your nose, most, most people that we teach, uh, I, I thought people would be like really into technology and stuff. People are using uh, pieces of paper or just counting them in their head and trying to get, you know, 10 nose a day or, or, or whatever. And then though, what's really important is depending on your business, if you're the guy at Home Depot, you're not following up with the people walking in the store, right? I mean, you're just, you're just, you're telling your story to as many people as you can, as fast as you can. And that's great. Nothing wrong with that. Um, the people that if you're in 
financial planning, or if you're selling real estate, or if you're in insurance, you're like a service kind of based professional. Well, if somebody's not ready to sit down and have an appointment with you, that person still could very much use your help and need your service. If they tell you, no, I'm not, no, not interested in sitting down with you this month. Well, now it's important to A, hashtag, got that no, like hash mark, right? <laughs> and then um, follow up with them. Hey, check in back, see if anything's changed. I wanted to let you know about this particular law that's gone into place or whatever. Um, you, we need to sit down. We need to, I, I can help you. It's that follow up is so huge. And you might talk to somebody five, six, 10 times in different ways, be creative, um, and, and finally turn that no into a yes. It follow up's a game changer. It, that is where the money is at. I, I, I couldn't agree more. It also gives you an opportunity to get more no's. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And we talk about this in our challenge, you know, people, the main thing that people do when they do a go for no challenge is it's business building, right? It's, it's prospecting, it's getting people into kind of the top of the funnel and, and cycling through that funnel. But I always say, gosh, the, one of the things that you can do to really challenge yourself is look at your past contacts. Look at the people that, you were having a conversation with, and then you let it drift, you let it, you know, kind of drift away and call them or send them an email and say, Hey, and I'm big on just be authentic, be honest and say, Hey, I dropped the ball. Like this, this was my fault. I, I am kind of pursuing you. That's how, that's how I look at it from a sales standpoint. And I dropped the ball and I just want to see how you're doing. Did you ever, sell your house? Did you ever, you know, buy the car, whatever it is that you sell? Did you ever do that? And if not, I'd love to kind of pick, pick up where we left off and see, see if I might be able to help you. And there's like a gold mine sitting there um, that we, we kind of let go because we're embarrassed or maybe we feel like, ah, we let that go. We'll go for no, go for no is the perfect thing to, to pull all those contacts back. I mean, I don't care if it's been like a year or two, just do it. And, and that's kind of how you rekindle those relationships. And if the person's like, no, you're an idiot. I don't want to deal with you. Then you go, great. <laughs> right. I got to know I'm moving on. And, and those, those are the things I think people fear is they fear, you know, having somebody diss them or having somebody be mean to them. And, and you, yes, you put yourself out there. It's risky. Um, but you, you just have to let those things wash off. It goes back to what you said though, between eight and 10, I wrote down, you get the people are watching syndrome and it goes, you've kind of flashed back to that, I guess, if people are watching and, and it's this person that I've already possibly talked to and I'm the one that dropped the ball, I'm embarrassed and, and just getting over that embarrassment because you're never going to win if you walk around and, and you're worried about what other people are thinking of you. How, how do you, how do you tell your, your clients and, and people that you talk to about that. I think that's huge nowadays where it's like, I don't want to get told no because people are going to think of me differently. You know, whether it's the person I'm talking to or the people that are around me, I don't want to be shamed by others because we are so worried about other people think about us. How do you help people overcome that problem? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, what, what people are thinking problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's so huge. Um, so one of the books that I love that kind of, to me, goes hand in hand with Go For No is called The Four Agreements. You, have you read for I, I, I love mean, it. You, yeah. Yes. And um, one of the agreements is not to make assumptions. And one of the agreements has to do with not caring, like 
you know, not taking things, it's not taking things personally is what it is. Mm. And um, really embracing, I think what I try to get across to people is really um, not just saying in a cliche way, um, I'm not going to worry what other people think, but really valuing other people's opinions and what other people think. And I'll give you kind of a funny example. So Richard and I wrote a book called Million Dollar Year, and it was for the network marketing industry, which we do a lot of work in the network marketing industry because rejection is so huge in that profession. And um, we, so we wrote a book and we, uh, I mean, it did okay, uh, not like go for no, but um, I went in and happened to be reading the, one of the reviews. I went in because authors we love to see our reviews on amazon <laughs> and so, reading, so, so do podcast people we like to see your reviews on itunes right so go in and do a drop, review yes drop yes, a review that means please <laughs> uh, we're, going, we're going for no right now yes. um and so i'm in there and, and i thought oh i haven't seen the reviews lately and i see this review and it was like a one star scathing i think the review said something like this book was not worth the paper it was printed on. It was so horrible. And it was just like, this book was awful. I wish I could get my money back, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I just paused and I, and it stung, right? Because that's what happens when we get rejected or when we have that initial, um, it hurts. There's literally a stinging. And I think that's the, our biological response to rejection. We don't want to get thrown out of the tribe. We don't want to get thrown out of the tribe so that our hunter gatherer um, friends will then now, now, now all of a sudden we're starving and we're living under the freeway overpass. Like very quickly, yep. bad, rev bad review goes to living under the freeway overpass. It's amazing how that happens. And so I just, I paused for a second and then I did what I, I tell people to do value this person's opinion just own like like own it like almost it's mine and i had and i got into this person's head and i i thought you know what it's okay like it's okay that this person had their their opinion it's it's their it's their beliefs it's how they were raised it's it's their life experience brought them to this moment where this book was not worth the paper it was printed on for them and that's okay. And I want to value and respect that. So what I did in that moment, and I normally, they always say, don't respond to reviews, especially on Amazon. Like you don't want to get in a fight with anyone. But I decided for whatever reason, I said, I'm just going to write this person back. And I said, hey, thanks for reading the book. Thanks for the review. I said, I totally understand because and then I gave an example. I said, Richard and I went and saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is a movie from like a yeah, like 15 years ago. And it was very popular. I think it got an Academy Award. And I said, and after 20 minutes, we walked out because we hated it. We, we thought it was like the stupidest movie. People are flying around fighting in the air. I know a lot of people liked it, right? It won all these awards, but it was just not for us. So the question is, you know, like, I didn't write this down, but I mean, the question is who's right, right? Are, are we, are we right? Or is the Academy Award, Academy Award people right? So anyway, in this, in this response, I just said, we went to Crouching Tiger and Dragon, an award-winning movie. We walked out after 20 minutes. We hated it. So I get it. You're entitled to your opinion. And, you know, I appreciate it. And that was it. And now the, now the funny thing is this person actually went back and commented a few days later and said, you know what? I reread the book and I actually like it. And they literally changed their review, <laughs> which is not like, was not the not point the of it. But I think we really have to just stop and kind of value 
other people's perspective and, and opinions and it's okay. You know, it's, it's not everybody's gonna like you. Not everybody's gonna like the clothes that you wear, the food that you like. And when we can really truly value it and get out of our own heads, there's a power and an empowerment that you have when you really value that, that mm. is, is just, it's like the four agreements. It is, you just, it's mind blowing and it completely sets you free because you're no longer relying on this person's validation. You're just free to, and you accept it. And then the pain, the sting goes away. That is huge. Ah, I love, and I love that he, he or she rewrote the, uh, reread the book. And it's all where we sit today. Like you said, you don't know something happened to bring them to that point. It goes back to the saying, you know, first off, you can't try to please everybody. So don't um, and be okay with that. Some people are going to love you. Some people are going to hate you. But you have to realize that if you try to please everybody, you're not going to please the most important person, which is yourself in the end. And, and people are they're going to hate you for certain things that just don't align with them. And that is okay. That is fine. Just don't put... I care about their opinion, but don't put weight in it to think about it all day to stop you from doing the things you know you need to do. I love that. I, I want to I chat real quick before we wrap up. So you wrote this book. You had no idea what you were doing um, in the beginning. Now, obviously, you do. You're starting a, a little publishing company that's going to be right. huge. I already know it. And you've wrote, <laughs> written several books. If somebody wants to write a book right now, whether it's about their life, it's about a certain topic, what is the best practice for them to start and number two, what are the biggest things to watch out for where most people fail? Oh, okay. Good questions. Good questions. Um, so our publishing company is called Success in 100 Pages, and we are, we are big proponents of short niched books. And the, so the very first thing that you have to think about when writing a book is your purpose. Write down the top three reasons why I'm writing this book. And it could be to increase your credibility and authority. It could be to make you look like more of an expert. It could be to make money, you know, have an additional income stream. That's fine. Just be very clear on your purpose. And then um, we've actually come up with 13, we call these 13 ingredients. Um, we have something called the million dollar book formula and it's a 13 ingredient success formula. And the first thing is purpose, really being clear on your purpose. And then the next, one of the next steps is make sure that you are, now this is in the nonfiction world. Um, even if you're telling your story, which I'm, we're big on storytelling in books, as you know, John, right? Um, and it doesn't have to be a fable or anything like that. But even if you're telling a story, be very clear on the problem that you're solving. Right. It's, I think sometimes people want to write a book and they want to write a book and they, and they, first of all, think that it has to be this huge, gigantic, you know, opus. Um, no, we're really in favor. And if you look at the marketplace these days, people are publishing 100, 120, 150 page books. They're keeping them on the short side because my advice would be drill down, figure out what problem are you solving in the marketplace? And it doesn't have to be all problems. So if you said, well, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real estate trainer, a real estate expert, and I want to help people be a better real estate salesperson. Well, don't tackle real estate. It's a huge huge topic. There's all kinds of nuances. Maybe look at one aspect of it and blow it up into a short book and really niche down and then say, what's the problem I'm solving? What are the problem that real estate agents have? Is it, um, 
Is it, you know, fine? Is it connecting with people who maybe want to be selling their home in the next five years? So let's focus on just making connections with home sellers or home buyers. I'm not, a, as you can see, I'm not, I'm not an expert. But, <laughs> we get it though. Yeah. 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 So you see, you see what I'm saying. Um, so really niche down. I think that the more that uh, you don't fear niching down from writing a book, the better and focus on what problem you're solving. That is brilliant because don't fear, don't fear niching it down. We, I think as humans, just be like, well, we know so much. Let's just go ahead and give out everything. Yeah. And even with your brand, right? I think you could talk about that as, as being a brand, as we all are for a business owner. We are the brand and we have to get super clear on who our niche is. And, and that, is, that is definitely hard. But once you do that, you have a little bit more clarity of your purpose, which is, which is the first ingredient. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we, Richard and I struggled with this. We struggled with this for like a couple of years. We were always going back and forth and we were talking about our brand and we, we talk about kind of the umbrella of our brand and our umbrella was our company is called Courage Crafters. And we struggled and was like, well, let's go out to the marketplace as Courage Crafters. And that's just this umbrella. And then we do all these things. Well, eventually, and, we, and thank God, we kind of like were able to test and listen to the market. And we said, well, yeah, Courage Crafters is great, but what do we really do? I mean, it's really go for no. And so we niched down, which was scary to us because it was like, so you're going to have a whole business around the word no. Okay, <laughs> that, seems, that seems like a recipe for disaster. Um, but we said, no, what is the problem we're solving? We want to help people no matter what business industry, no matter what they're doing, if they're an actor, they're uh, trying, to, trying to make a record, whatever. We want to help them overcome fears of failure and rejection and hearing the word no. So that's kind of the mission. That's the purpose. That's the niche. And we, we, said, we said, you know what? We can grow. We, we, if this, we outgrow this niche, then we'll be the Courage Crafters and we'll, help, we'll talk about fear and we'll talk about everything else. But let's start. And I think that that's true with businesses. And I think that's true with, um, especially with books is don't be afraid to write a book that really solves a niche problem. You'll get known for that. And then write another book, write your next book. Yes. You got me thinking over here. I know. You got, you got me thinking. I got about six ideas right now that I need to put down on books. paper. Yeah, six, six books, John. Yes, I'm six books. You. Which one do I start with? That is, right. that is awesome. I love your mission and, and, and it's what's, what impact it makes, honestly, um, in, in helping people truly provide and design the, the best life and, and the life they've always wanted to live. I always talk about it, about how you design the life you've always wanted to live. And you stop yourself because of the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, the fear of fear. And with this book, it allows you to break that wall down a bit and have some tactics and tools so you could truly design that life you've always wanted to live. And, and it, it's a tremendous thing that you're doing for people, their family, and their future. And it's not just what it's going to do today. It's just what it's going to do from, for the rest of their life and, more importantly, generations after them because they are going to truly – be able to change the whole trajectory of their future by being able to overcome this biggest limited belief. That's where it comes down to, guys. She is helping you overcome one of the biggest limited beliefs in this world. And what a limited belief is, is just a thought that you've thought over and over and over again. And whether it came from an event or it came from somebody else or yourself, it's now into your nervous system. And this book allows you 
to go ahead and write the new rules to yourself and get excited about going for no. It's, it's awesome. I appreciate the book for sure. <clears throat> so this is what I want to ask you. Are you yeah. ready to do something to where I didn't tell you we were doing it? It's going to be quick, fun, but you have to be on top of your game. You ready for this? Oh my God. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that hard. It's really not. At the end of the show, I usually like to give people four words. And then from those four words, one at a time, you're going to tell me what you think off the top of your head. The first word, sentence, whatever it is that comes to your mind or visual that you get, say it. Okay. Ready? Yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give five. Just I'm going to give five to you. Okay. So the first one's going to be fear. Love it. Yes. <laughs> Success. Uh, work hard. Hustle. Uh... No sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Uh, failure. Uh, embrace it. Last but not least, no. Yes. Oh, woo-wee. <laughs> oh, man. I don't usually ask a fifth one, but I, I just, I had to. I had to ask that one. Thank you so much. So, guys, this is the point in the show where if you haven't been taking notes, I don't know what the hell you're doing, but this is where you get that pen. Get that paper because she's going to give you three, three things to be better today than you were yesterday. Andrew, this whole entire podcast is based off of that. It's based off giving actionable tools for people to take massive, aggressive, annoying action immediately to start being better today than they were yesterday. And these three don't have to be in any particular order. It's totally up to you. And it could be about any equity of life from sales to personal life, relationships that you found working with your husband, whatever it is, you're like, dude, these three things, if you do these three or at least one of them, you'll definitely be better today than you were yesterday. So I got my pen and paper ready and I'm okay. ready for you. Go okay. for it. Okay. All right. Number one, absolutely. Number one is uh, give yourself permission to fail. Mm. Number two is ask. Just always ask. If you're doubting, if you're wondering, ask. And number three, I'm going to steal from the four agreements because it really is my favorite. It's don't make assumptions. <clears throat> that is. It, have you found out, real quick, those, those three are amazing, but I have a question about assumptions. Have you found out in sales, a lot of people assume and it ruins the rapport? Oh my gosh, yes. We spend a lot of time talking about assumptions and talking yeah. about how you don't know what somebody's going to do, what they're going to decide. Um, and I always joke with people, I always say, remember the time that you, you thought about like the person that you were, you knew they were going to say yes. It was like a completely done deal and then it fell apart and you got a no. And then there was the one where you absolutely were sure they were going to give you a no and all of a sudden they said yes and you're like, what? Yep, yep. <laughs> so, and even assuming down to the smallest thing where it's like for real estate agents they're like you know okay so you, you have a kid so schools are important right whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't don't assume don't they may hate schools they may you know go ahead and, and homeschool right. and it's those little things those little assumptions throughout your calls and throughout your life that can ruin the rapport that in the end ruins your outcome and we find ourselves assuming so much because we're trying to get to the next question you know okay so Four bedrooms, okay, two baths, so it's, it's going to be you and your wife? What? Well, I didn't say I had a wife. And it's just like, it, we assume so much. And, and I call those small hinges that swing open big doors. But yeah, assumption and ask. If you don't ASK, you'll never G-E-T, guys. And that first one, I, I am going to put that on as the quote. I am going to be utilizing that in my conversion courses. I'm going to be utilizing that a lot because give yourself permission to fail 
Those three are amazing guys. You better have written those down. You better take action on those three. I am so appreciative of you taking some time out today to jump on here. Can you tell everybody where they can find you, creep on you, stalk you, and, and what you have coming up? <laughs> yeah, stalk me at GoForNo. I'm at GoForNo, um, G-O-F-O-R-N-O um, on Instagram, which is where we connected. John totally went for no by messaging me on Instagram. Yes. Um, Facebook, GoForNo, Twitter, at GoForNo, so, and, and GoForNo.com. Perfect. Do you have any speaking engagements coming up? You know, I'm really excited. Most of them are private, like corporate events. But next April, I am part of a sales conference called Outbound with, um, nice. yeah, Jeb Blunt. He wrote a book called Fanatical Prospecting. A and he just came book. out. Yeah. So um, they asked me to be a part of it. I was super honored. Yeah. And what date is that in April? Do you know by chance? I think it's like April 26th to 28th in Atlanta. See, you know, I was going to try to get you over to my retreat in Destin, but it's April 27th. But you know what? We, it's okay. You can go hang out with those guys. We'll hang out by the beach. I'm in Atlanta every other week or every other month. So we will we'll definitely connect uh, at a later date. I appreciate you so much, guys. Go follow her. Go for no every single day as much as you can. But for real, reach out to her if you have any questions. She's trying to impact your life, not just you know if you're in sales, but trying to impact your life by overcoming one of the biggest limited beliefs we have. Make sure you go follow her. And anything else you want to leave them? Any last words of wisdom or advice? Um, I think, I guess, just, John, well, first of all, thank you for having me. It was super fun. Um, so I, I shared a lot on this podcast that I never talk about. Uh, <laughs> so something about you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it's just, um, it's, Go for no really is a life philosophy or so right. It's not just about sales. It's, it's, uh, you, I, I believe Richard and I say there's virtually nothing you can't achieve virtually nothing you can't achieve if you're willing to hear no often enough. So just try to remember that. Yes, guys. I hope you got as much value as I did out of this. And thank you so much for what you just said that that means a lot. I'm glad you opened up and we're vulnerable. Your vulnerability helps others to be vulnerable and tell their story. And, and I do appreciate it. And so does everybody else listening. Make sure, guys, like I said, go follow her. Go obsess over her content. Go get the book. Stop waiting right now. As soon as this thing ends in the next two minutes, after you go ahead and subscribe, you go ahead and write the review about how great she was, and then you share this thing out to change somebody's life, then I want you to go ahead and order that book. You guys could find it on Amazon. You guys could find it in Barnes & Nobles, I'm sure. Probably everywhere. There's probably in airports. Real quick, though, do you suggest picking it up? And this is obviously depending on the person, but is there like a method that like you need to pick it up and feel it in your hands or you, you can go ahead and listen to it on Audible? You know, um, we've Audible seems to be, I mean, people love listening to it. I think we've sold like 50,000 audio versions of this book. So if you're, I think it really comes down to if you um, just don't have time to read, then absolutely listen to it. But, uh, and I'm, I'm still an old school paperback person myself, so. And it's such, a, it's such a small book with such a big impact, right? Like, I love that. I'm going to tell you guys right now how many pages it is. It is 70 pages, oh, 73, 74, all together about 74 pages. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's not just 74 pages of like small lettering or anything like that. It's 74 pages with, you know, good size lettering. So it's not really small crammed in a bunch of words. And there's a bunch of different, you know, bold words in there. So what I'm telling you is that whether you pick it up or you go to Audible, it will not take you that long to 
go ahead, read it or listen to it, and then implement it and change your life. I know when you download a book and it says 12 hours, that sucks because it just overwhelms you. I've been there. I'm doing one right now. And it overwhelms you. This book right now, if you probably go ahead and, and order it and get it on Audible and you shut out the world for the next 90 minutes, listen to it on 1.5, I'm sure you can get through a majority of that book and have tons of takeaways, implement, and go for no. Thank you so much once again. And guys, go follow me at Real John Marone. Find me on my website, www.johnmarone.com. But that's all I have for today. I'm so glad that she dropped this value and these nuggets on you. And until next time, guys, I'll see you on Tuesday. But make sure you guys keep creating the ultimate version of you and go for no, baby. Let's go. Let's go.